When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Hey, welcome. I'm Martha Shedden, and I am here today with Dave Freitag, who is a financial planning consultant and social security expert. Dave, welcome. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Martha, you and I have gone back many, many years. In fact, you were my mentor. Uh, And all of uh, my knowledge, I trace back to the things that you and I did together. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm so glad we were connected and that you could do this show with us. Um, First, we'll start off. Just tell us a little about your background and how you came to be a financial planner. And then specifically... As a follow-up, what led you to become so interested in the topic of Social Security? Sure. Well, I've kind of done it all in the insurance business. I started, I can't even tell you what year, because (laughs) my memory doesn't go back that far. Uh, But I started as a producer. I sold life insurance policies to people in Washington, D.C. Then I sort of stepped up and uh, pulled the... uh, the lever and said I wanted to go into management and I helped run agencies and recruit and train people into this particular business. I've been doing that with uh, you know different companies over the course of my career. Uh, one of the things that happened is that I got an opportunity to go into the software business <clears throat> with a uh, software company in San Diego. Had an incredibly good time with that because we took lots of the things that I knew about working with clients in real time and put them into tools. Uh, And that software practice ultimately led me into the Social Security space. One of the most challenging decisions that people have uh, is taking these sets of complex rules, and I think the number is 2,800 plus or minus in the Social Security system, and sort of build uh, logic around them through computer software. And what computers do really well is numbers and math. And it allows us then in a very short period of time to take lots of different moving parts, put them together into social security models and come up with recommended opportunities. You know, one of the things that we always talk about is the social security decision is not one that an advisor makes. The social security decision is one the clients make for their own future. Our job in the financial planning space is to give them choices and make sure they understand what those choices are. You know, a real good friend of mine for a long, long time called financial planning a combination of art and science. 
Uh, the science is simply the numbers, and you and I have been through the numbers many, many times. But the art is the human dimension of this process. Mm -hmm. uh, the different unique things that people bring to the table that allow the numbers to become really not as important as the human component. Uh, I've actually had really good experiences just in the last two weeks, and I work with people all over the country, where that human uh, component became the dominant reason people made the decision, not the math. The math was there, yeah. but they they decided to choose the path they followed because of how it fit into their unique life and their needs that they have. I have another expression that I use all the time with people, and that social security planning is a one-size-fits-one experience. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot walk in to the social security store and get the one-size-fits-all experience because it's going to be wrong. It has to be tailor-made right to that unique situation. Uh, and that comes in, everybody's different. And that's what makes it fun. Every day for me in working on these cases is a new experience. That's terrific. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It, it's so rewarding. And we all learn from every case that we do, something new comes up and it is so personal. It, yep. is, it involves... Uh, spouses and minor children and younger spouses and adult disabled children. I mean, there's so many factors. It's not just about maximizing that lifetime amount. It's about optimizing right. that family's decision. Um, as a financial planner, what are some of the most common um, financial mistakes that you see folks who are getting ready to retire, uh, what are the, some of the mistakes you see them making? Well, the, the dominant one is short-term thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I look at the size of the income. Oh, if I started taking distributions from Social Security now, I'm going to be ahead, and I'm going to be ahead for the next 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. uh, lots and lots of confusion about longevity and Social Security planning. Another good friend of mine called longevity the uh, wild card in Social Security planning and in financial planning. It is uh, true. Nobody really knows you know, exactly the answer to that. Uh, but I think it's important for people to try to look at their family, whether it's parents, aunts, uncles, their own lifestyle, behavior things, and quantify that. In my own personal situation, uh, my mother lived to 95, my father to 92. You know, if I went to a palm reader, it goes down here to my elbow, which is probably good news. My wife's situation is totally different. Uh, she lost her mother when she was 75. She lost her sister when she was 72. So everybody has to balance those concerns. And that's probably one of the big mistakes is they don't take that longevity quotient and, and quantify that uniquely to them. So that's, that's one. Uh, a second mistake is the importance of flooring income. It's a term you and I have used in the industry for a long, long time. Sometimes it's good to have a real good floor, maybe not have as much money at the end, but know that when you get up in retirement, that the phone bill, the utility bills, household expenses, transportation costs, food, those necessary things are being funded with predictable and sustainable income sources. Without question, uh, there are 
things you want to do in retirement that uh, we call those the golden years for real important reasons. You know, they're going to be the reason to do that. But I think you've got to be able to fund some of that golden component uh, with the variable component of the portfolio. Uh, and that might mean moving stuff from the variable component up into guaranteed income streams. And, and by far, in most cases, and this is a Limer study, and you and I have worked with Limer a long time. And, and the numbers in, are always changing. They're a little bit dynamic. Between 41 and 49% of most people's guaranteed income streams are coming from Social Security sources. Yeah. And so that you got to get that answer right. In an example I use a lot, if you have these interconnected gears, and you have social security, and then you have retirement portfolios, and then you have longevity, and then you have family history, and then investments and pools, all those connect. But the driver in making the good decision is that big social security gear. And if you don't do that one right, then all the other decisions are going to be put in peril. So we really focus people in on that social security discussion. And it's been exactly what I've been doing exclusively for eight years, done nothing but this. And it's been fun. That's wonderful. Yes. And you, um, that's not even taking into account, but what you were just speaking about that, uh, combination of all these different factors, and that doesn't even take into account the, um, taxation, of social security income and that interrelationship between the retirement accounts when those, you know, those required minimum distributions come out, income increases, um, taxes go up. It's the whole retirement planning is such a, a complex calculation. And interestingly enough, really for eight years, we've been totally focused on just the social security decision. Mm-hmm. But within the last several months, we've been expanding that discussion into a holistic view of cash flow throughout all of retirement. Right. And you'd be absolutely surprised at the conclusions you come to. We're working with a, a wonderful woman who is a teacher for special needs children in Oklahoma. Uh, this was a fascinating case. She had a wonderful pension. She didn't want to retire because she loved working with the children. But then... She knew that someday she would step aside and someone would take her job. And she was going to be the recipient of a very, very nice pension from the school system. Mm-hmm. And typically would have thought, well, deferring Social Security makes a lot of sense for her, had longevity in her family. But when we took the bigger holistic view of her situation, she didn't really have a cash reserve, really didn't have um, some extra dollars over there in a liquid account. So we actually used a a three-year earlier filing strategy for Social Security to create that liquid reserve pool for her, Uh, and it was the perfect solution. So I think what I'm seeing is the need to be more holistic in the approach to the planning process. Uh, You can do lots of one-off models on cash flows specific to one or two components, whether it's the equity component, Social Security component, different pension plans. Is it best to take survivor benefits from the pension? Who knows? But you have to put all that into the giant mixing pot and then step back a little bit and look at that and say, hmm, and what can be a clause? And then on top of that, apply that humanality that says, well, here's what works best for us, best for me. Yeah. But, you know, you, you mentioned something that, you know, what have I seen and what I've heard? You know, we were involved with the research study, really interesting one. And we've been doing this pretty much every year, you know, for the last several years. 
And, and I would guess, Martha, you and I are making progress with helping people understand some fundamental things about Social Security. Right. But I'm always shocked at how much more we've got to do. Mm. And we do have more to do. You know, one of the questions of, of, of the 1,500 people involved in our study, 44% of them did not know that Social Security benefits would be available to dependent children and if someone died. Well, that's a shocking number. I said, how can that be? Uh, another thing that was kind of interesting, uh, 46% of the people out of the 1,500 thought that Social Security benefits would increase past age 70 if you didn't take them. Uh -oh. <laughs> that's <laughs> not going to work. That isn't going to work. <laughs> and then the biggest one that we always do in our studies, almost 70% of the people in our studies thought that you had to be a U.S. citizen to collect Social Security benefits. Just not the case, right? So, so we do have a little bit of a mountain to climb, but that's again, comes back to the importance of looking at that retirement income projection, again, from a high level 10,000 foot view and say, how does this all fit together? And we've got to account for that. I, I've got a really good friend who's uh, a son-in-law, very successful commercial real estate guy. And he said, you know, there, what's the value of Social Security for me? I said, well, Dave, in this case, is Brian. I said, well, Brian, uh, you have three beautiful children and you like to ride motorcycles. Something <laughs> bad happened one day. You would understand how important that life benefit is from the Social Security system. And people forget about that. They forget that Social Security is a disability income contract. It's a life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. And it's also a substantial retirement income savings program. So those are the things I'm discovering. That's the things we're talking about. By far, though, the biggest one is, well, the Social Security system is broke. Oh, it's not my gonna gosh. Be. You've heard that one, right? Oh. How do you answer that one? Well, I, yeah, that's a good question. It, mm -hmm. It's so frustrating. And I, I naturally, myself, I'm an optimist, but knowing the history of Social Security as, as you and I do and all the changes that have occurred over the last 86 years, I'm just confident that, that we're going to make the changes needed. Um, but that's all the more reason for all of us financial professionals, uh, just citizens to be engaged in the topic of Social Security and Medicare as well, to, oh, yes. um, to be ready and informed when those issues are put up for voting and, and sure. our, you know, our congressmen and senators are and again, looks like your decisions. Looks like um, anyway, that, uh, that whole topic is, um, it's hard. I think I get that question from everybody. Why shouldn't I just claim it now? It's going to disappear. Right. Um, and that's a hard one to overcome. But by showing... So Martha, let me, let me tell you how, how I overcome that one. Okay. Ready? Yes. So whoever raises that objection, uh, I, I give them a new job. I offer them a job opportunity, right? And the job opportunity is to become an elected member of the United States House of Representatives. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I propose to them that they're incredibly successful at what they do. And in 2033, they now find themselves as the Speaker of the House of Representatives in this country. And their job as the Speaker is to stand in front of now 75 million people 
and explain to them that there's going to be an across-the-board reduction of Social Security benefits of 21%, and then offer them the chance to turn the job offer down. Well, I haven't had one person accept that job. No, that's getting it in perspective. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the questions I was going to ask you, Dave, is that based on everything you know, um, if you had the power to decide how to extend sure. the Social Security program for the indefinite future, I don't mean four or six years, I mean decades. 75, right. Right. What changes would you make personally? Well, I'd love to be on the committee, actually. I <laughs> so would, too. I would, so, too. Wouldn't you, you and I would love to be on that committee. You would. Uh, and we would sit down there in front of Congress, and we would explain to folks. But there's two sides to this problem. One is a revenue solution. The other is a benefit solution. Uh, and I've looked at many, many different alternatives. Certainly, the Social Security wage base. And we've done some focus groups here in Boston uh, with people who are facing, you know, these kinds of decisions. And the Social Security wage base is clearly going to go up. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, there's no magic in the current number. That's a progressive tax. I mean, rich people and the companies that employ them pay with pay that. But that's the, so it's difficult. On the other hand, if I look at the 6.2% that everybody pays up to the wage base, that's a regressive tax. And that's a difficult decision. But there will be movement on the revenue side. There's no question about it. It'll probably be on the wage base and increase probably on the 6.2%. But don't forget that the benefit side is going to be part of the solution as well. Uh, you know, when my father started taking Social Security, he was six, his full retirement age was 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine happens to be 66. A lot of the people that I work with born after 1960, their full retirement age is 67. Uh, I have a son in San Francisco, actually. Uh, he's 47 years of age. And if I whispered into his ear that his full retirement age was going to be 68 or 69, uh, he's got time to adjust to that. I mean, it's not going to be the end of life as he knows it. Mm-hmm. But I think those three variables for sure will be in the solution. There's going to be an increase in the wage base. There's going to be a change in the tax rate. And absolutely, there'll be a change in the definition of full retirement. Uh, we're going to see that move up. In fact, you know, we're, as you well know, we're in the middle of that transition right now. That was established in 1983 by the Greenspan Commission. We're in the middle of that right. gradual aging component every day right now. I explained to people that who were born, let's say, in 1958, uh, I think that's eight months, mm-hmm. uh, birthday plus eight months. So if you were born in January, your birth, your Social Security birthday is not the same as your calendar, your birthday. So you could have a birthday in January, but by social security definition for full retirement age, it's not going to be till August. Uh, and that they understand that that could bleed over into the next year. And so we're in the middle of all that. And it, it hasn't caused the sky to fall. The world hasn't blown up or things have not gone crazy. Why? Because the rule in 83 just started affecting us today, you know, for the last several years. So I think we've given enough time we'll be able to solve that. I've heard some rumors about cost of living adjustments, uh, but I also know uh, that the House Ways and Means Committee, prior to the pandemic, this was a topic that was in on their list that they had to take a look at. And that's where this is going to come from. It's going to come from the House Ways and Means Committee. 
Uh, I think this time there's got to be national testimony. There's going to have some hearings. They're going to have to factor in. It's just too important a program. I, I often ask people this question in some of my meetings. Do we spend more on defense or do we spend more on Social Security? And the answer is substantially more on Social Security. It's the biggest single item in the federal budget. You can't take a program of that magnitude and not fix it correctly. It must be done with right. care. Right. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What, do you see a difference? And maybe, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I think you have the vantage point of having seen this, a, a difference in the baby boomer retirement experience in terms of their finances uh, compared to different to past generations? Well, mostly unprepared, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm an indication of what's going on, uh, you know, live for today and uh, who cares about tomorrow? Uh, I have seen so many differences and it really depends on, you know, people's view of the future. Uh, I can't really say, I think what it is, is that the Gen X, Gen Y, younger people, it's retirement still too far away. I really can't think about it just yet. Uh, but when we get somebody that are in their middle 50s to early 60s, now it's a serious uh, discussion. And one of the attendees in one of the meetings that I did came up to me after the meeting and said, you know, Dave, it's a full-time job figuring out what to do. I've got all these different decisions I have to make and two mandatory decisions. One is about Social Security and the other is what do you do for health insurance and retirement? Yeah. And those are time-dated decisions, one that can't be postponed. And I would say baby boomers in general, well, you know, we'll get around to it. It's going to somehow it's going to happen. Uh, maybe we'll make that decision the day it gets here. But you really can't do that. You need to, yeah. you need to make that a full-time job. And it's a hard time in our lives to be sure. having that full-time complicated yeah. decision. And yeah. And I know from my experience that people are – just jittery about it. They're, they're yeah. nervous and they don't know what to do and they really want to talk to someone about it. So you know, I had an analogy. One of the folks that I work with uh, said he couldn't sleep at night. He had no idea what to do with his social security decision. And when we finally laid out a strategy that made sense for them based on their human needs and the cash flows that were involved, he made the comment. He says, you know, Dave, it's like a millstone has been lifted off my shoulders. Oh, <laughs> And I can breathe now. And I said, and that's how important and personal this stuff becomes. It is. Uh, it can keep people up at night. And so therefore having choices, and I always come back to choices. It's never one choice that applies to everybody. Everybody's going to have to look at their situation and figure that one out. So interesting stuff. It is. It is. What, um, given all your past experience, is there... <laughs> Anything um, that our listeners would be surprised to know about you? Uh, well, I have a beautiful granddaughter who you can see over my shoulder oh. over there. <laughs> <laughs> She's a four and a half year old ball of uh, fire that when she comes to visit uh, her grandparents, we used to check in for an IV after she leaves because we're so <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> no, I suspect uh, you know, I'm left-handed. I'm 6'6". Six, six. I've been doing this for a while. Oh. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I guess the things they'd be surprised. I like video editing. I like to do uh, relationship things. 
Uh, I don't like to get too far into the mathematical weeds of things, which is why I enjoy computers that do all that stuff for me, which make that work. Uh, but but I, I think I've got an optimistic view of the future, and I think it's probably what everybody should take away from this. I believe these problems we can solve uh, if we just put our mind to it and we can figure out what to do. You know, there's a couple of interesting things I think that people forget about. And, and this in working with clients, it's always a bit of a shock. Uh, and it's one of the questions I think that I think you and I have done a pretty good job talking about with people uh, is that if somebody, when someone dies, if it's a married couple, the household income is always going to fall. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to sort of be here to get the check. <laughs> if you're not here, you don't get that check. And if you knew that that certainty was coming and everybody should know that it's coming, wouldn't it make some sense to do some defensive planning, not when you're 83, 84, or 85, but when you're 50, 51, or 54, 56, or 57, because there are such wonderful solutions to that income loss 100% certainty. Uh, and people need to take action sooner rather than later, uh, understanding that. And for a lot of those folks, they just, uh, oh, you know, Dave, I never thought about that. You know, maybe, But maybe you do need to think about it. And if you make the decisions on these defensive strategies early, they're actually easy. But if you wait too long, they're either very expensive or impossible. Mm-hmm. So that probability of 100% certainty Uh, is something I always think people should recognize is that that income loss is going to happen and you need to be prepared for that. And you're speaking, I'm guessing about insurance. No, it could not necessarily. I mean, there's lots of different ways to replace cash flow in the future. Uh, Life insurance is certainly a substantial leverage point, dollars at a discount, tax favored delivery. Uh, available exactly the time you need it. Yeah, one solution. Not everybody qualifies for that solution. Annuities are good ways to deliver that cash flow. Mm-hmm. Investment accounts are good ways to develop that cash flow. Savings accounts are good for that cash flow. Or a loving daughter-in-law or son-in-law or somebody <laughs> who's going to take care of you. <laughs> that won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, or win the lottery. That's exactly correct. Yeah. You know, we were today. We were today, I watched the uh, launch of uh, the Blue Origin space. Oh yes, I heard they. And they came back too. <laughs> and the thing that was most impressive is that Bezos, uh, obviously the richest person in the world, uh, just gave a $100 million grant to two different people to distribute it out to folks who, who needed support. Now, not everybody's going to be in a situation where they're going to get a grant like that. Yeah. But you, in some ways, you have to take it this on your own. You have to become your own Bezos, where you put your own plans in place that will take care of that future need somewhere. So we'll sort of see how that works. And again, that's a hard job and it requires uh, some focus. The planning process is interesting. It's fun. Uh, Most people are so busy doing other things, they don't like to do it, but it is an opportunity. Yes, we avoid that. That's that's for sure. So Martha, let me ask you, what's the biggest question you get and your approaches here? The biggest question, I think we talked about it, was Mm -hmm. um, the future of Social Security. Mm -hmm. I think people are worried about that. Um, sure. And they're just very unsure of when, when to claim. They, uh, many, many people just have that instinct to take it now, get it while you can. So I, I think it's just valuable to be able to show them the numbers and 
talk over all the rules and strategies that have to do with their own personal claiming decision. You know, and there are so many of them. Uh, you know, we use an analytic tool that allows people to look at all their choices. And for someone just turning 62, Bob and Mary is an example. Bob's got nine choices between 62 and 70. And Mary's got nine choices between 62 and 70. It's 81 age combinations. Forget about the other things. It's just the age combinations right, right. that fit out. So you have to be able to, to look at that. Uh, but here's one. Here's a question I wanted to talk a little bit about. And that's the sunsetting provision of the ability for people who were born on or before January the 1st of 1954, the sunsetting of the restricted filing strategy. Application, which is still applies to several uh, for two more years. And yeah. I'm still finding clients who were not aware of that. And they're 68 now. Yes. And they, um, they thought the best thing as a couple was to wait to claim to 70. Right. And, you know, they could have looked at that full retirement age and done that restricted application that we, um, we discuss that a lot at NARSA and in our training, because it is being phased out. And there's still people who years use the terms file and suspend, which as yes. you know, phased out four years ago yeah. or five right. years ago. And they're uh, confused about that. They're confused. Yeah. Well, because you can still suspend your benefits yes. for retirement yes. age Yes. But uh, and then restart them later. So, um, yeah, there's it's just mostly confusion on terms right. and things that that they've heard from other people. Um, right, so here's a true story. Uh, we were doing a seminar in southeastern Georgia in a hospital. Uh, and we did several of them during the course of today. And this was an evening meeting and a very dignified woman walked in. She had her scrubs on and she was sitting there. Uh, and we talked about using restricted filing strategies for people who qualify from a divorce. Uh, and after the meeting, she came up and said, could you explain that to me one more time? I said, well, sure. If you were born on or before January the 1st, 1954, you've got the ability to take a benefit from your ex-husband uh, while your own benefit accrues those wonderful delayed retirement credits. And that could make a substantial difference in the amount you receive over your lifetime. Literally the next day. She was at the Social Security office when they were still open. Yeah, <laughs> they can't go, they they can't go there now, but this when they were still open. And they confirmed that, in fact, she could do that and informed her that she was going to get $951 a month from her ex-husband. And then at her age of 70, her benefit would increase 70% over what it could have been at full retirement age. But in the meantime, we also did a six-month retroactive refund because she could do that past her full retirement age, she got a check for over $5,000 and it changed her life. Right. Everybody who's born on or before January the 1st, right. wave a flag. <laughs> They've yeah. got to understand that leverage because it's just huge and could make a magnificent difference in their income in retirement. It is. And you're right. And it's, it's couples, but it's also ex-couples. Yes, ex-couples. In this case, she was divorced from her husband. Yeah, so that's yeah. That and I was uh, just with a group of women friends on Sunday, and one of them mm. did that exact same thing. And she actually was able to start it at her full retirement age. But there is right. that also that six-month retroactive for mm. many of the benefits that if you qualified for that, that people don't understand. So there's so much we could talk about, Dave. 
I all everything to you, Martha. Believe me, (laughs) you have been my source of wisdom for this entire ride. I know you have such a good perspective. Um, I want to make sure that people listening to this uh, can follow you, find out more about what you do. I know you have a blog. Um, Sure. If you want to share any of your contact information. um, Yeah, that's fine. Uh, You know, I I work for a large insurance company, and I, I write for them. And that's generally available. You can find that pretty easily. I can share, and I, I'll give you, I guess you can post it, uh, my email address, uh, which you could reach me through that email address. Uh, and then I do another one with a very interesting organization down in Texas. It's called 50 Plus. Uh, this is a fun sort of newsletter that comes out every month. And it covers all kinds of interesting things. And we every month put a little article in there about social security. Uh, My latest one is on the difference between survivor benefits and spousal benefits. And even though they both start with an S, there isn't much similarity between those things. One's alive and one's not. Yeah, one's alive and one's not. And yet people get confused about that. So yeah, the 50 plus is is a fun blog that we work on. The one that I do for the company is fun. But I also write a lot for and and work with a lot of the national media uh, writers. Uh, CNBC is a common one. The street.com is another one I work with. Uh, USA Today Money is stuff we put in those things. And those just happen to come along. People are looking for some answers. Uh, I answer questions and things on those sites. Uh, Or they can contact me directly. And probably the best way to do that be my personal email, which would be David Freitag at Verizon.net. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been really fun. I'm so glad you could be on the show. Sure. And um, I guess we'll sign off here, but thanks again, Dave. For- and, Mar- and Martha, let's see if we can't make this uh, one of many more. Yes, that would be wonderful. Okay. Thanks. Thank you.